Welcome to the team podcast. This podcast is for you, our teams. We want to share stuff that we are learning and growing through that will help you serve God and others. I'm Ron Hudson, the lead pastor at Calvary Baptist Church, and I'm here with my co-host, Seth Frank, the campus minister for Moorhead Christian Student Fellowship at Moorhead State University. Last time, Seth started talking to us about a workshop that he led for a number of church leaders about connecting with people who are church outsiders. So let's pick up with that conversation. Here is Seth. Another thing uh, that I see that people do is um, it's just easy to take offense. Um, If you can get past the belonging, then something will happen and you'll take offense at it. Um, Especially Mm -hmm. as as an outsider, because the message of Christianity can be offensive. And by can be, I mean is. Wow. Um, To tell people, love your enemy. So what's offensive? Love your enemy. That okay. is an offensive thing to say. Um, to say, man, I never thought of give that. Self, give give of yourself. Be self-sacrificial. That can be an offensive thing to say. Um, to you are a sinner. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> that. I think that's the uh, key one. <laughs> I see. I don't know that that's a key one. You are broken. Um, you are wrong. Like you have messed to up. To be honest, I don't think that's that controversial. Um, a because okay. the church is kind of known for that. Um, whatever. However. If you're in America, you've probably heard the church is being judgmental and saying people are sinners somewhere. So okay, I don't think that's sure. that offensive. I What I do think is offensive um, is because I also think that everyone kind of knows, yeah, I'm broken. I wouldn't be here if I knew that I was I was fine. <laughs> that's why even non-church people say nobody's perfect. Yeah. Like all the time. <laughs> um, so the, the issue isn't necessarily you're a sinner. It is... Um, you have no hope because of the things you've done. That's kind of offensive. Um, yeah. It's those sort of things. There are offensive parts of the gospel to say that there's a God who created everything and then lived a human life and died for you. That's an offensive thing. But didn't Jesus tell his disciples the world would be offended Absolutely. because of you? And so I'm saying. And like, they're just... Like, so do we, shouldn't we just like accept they're going to be offended and like not worry about that? <laughs> what I'm saying is that outsiders are going to take offense. Um, that is going to happen. And so what we want to do is find ways to maintain the conversation. I, I know okay. that they're going to be offended. I get it. Um, and so instead of saying you're a sinner, period, and we're done, or say Deal love with your it. neighbor or <laughs> love, um, love your enemy which is an incredibly hard thing to do. And then you're done and dusted. And if you don't do this, you're out. Right. Part of it is, if you can't forgive your uncle that molested you, then, you know, you have no business being yeah. here. And part of it is I mean, that's just like maintaining that conversation, offensive. doing the things that are necessary instead of ending the conversation to keep it going, to keep talking, yeah. um, to keep connected, um, to, to say, look, I know that this is offensive. I get it. Um, this is still what we're called to do. And there are reasons for that. And I'd love to talk more about this. So something you just said there is, is so critical, I think. And that is to admit and to show up, not with your like Christian, I know the right answer mentality and conversation, but to show up with my heart doesn't like this and feels this is offensive too. I also have somebody I don't want to forgive. I also have experiences that I think this is so incredibly difficult for me to say that I have to decrease so that others can increase 
It bugs the heck out of me. I don't like it and I don't understand it. And so let's engage with what the text says. And as a speaker, I do that like that. If when I can find where the scripture says something that I don't like, that is gold. I mean, that is just pure gold because I can say, look, guys, I'm going to talk to you about something I really don't like. But as I leaned into it and trusted God, I discovered something new and it changed me. And I'd like to share that with you. And oh, man, that's so powerful. The other thing you talked about people being offended. I, I think I know they're going to be offended at some point during the service when they hear the scripture and they hear the gospel and they hear the truth of what God says. So I want to make sure they're not offended until that point. I want to make sure it's God's word and the Holy spirit doing the offense and not um, a door greeter or someone in the group who gives them a look because they're wearing those jeans or because they got some tattoo or, or what, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I can't believe you would come to church like that. Or, you know, you were smoking outside. We just bought um, smoker stations <laughs> to put outside. Cause we have a lot of people who are unchurched. I mean, they just, they hadn't been to church. They'd been to church once or twice as a kid, maybe with grandma. But other than that, they have no church experience. And that church they went to was like a Catholic church. So they have no experience in our context with like Baptist faith. And, you know, they're, I mean, they're struggling with addiction and everything else. Smoking is the least of their problems. Um, so, you know, we put these smoker stations out so they have a place to put their cigarette before they come into service. So they don't have to throw it on the ground, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm thinking now maybe we should buy some mints so they don't have to feel self-conscious about are people judging me because of my breath? And because I want them to engage with the word of God, not with this guilt and this shame around what's going on that I can't fix yet because they can't fix it and they need the Holy Spirit. So, so yeah, I, I try to limit the offenses uh, and save that for God to do the actual offending, not um, one of us because we're self-righteous yeah, and or that's whatever. a big part of it is um there are stuff that we do that's offensive um and it's not from god <laughs> um you know even hugging is is something our church is big on we love hugging people but i hear so many people well, not so many but anecdotally you know i'm not a hugger and i went to your church and everybody hugged me and i was uncomfortable with that <laughs> like so yeah um and so part of it is just maintaining that conversation, um, allowing space to um, ask questions, allowing space to say, hey, I didn't like this. Um, there's a, a church in New York City called, uh, Ref uh, I don't know what it's called. It's, the Tim it's Tim Keller Timothy Keller's church. Um, and okay. part of what they do after every service is they have a space that's set aside for anyone who's new or anyone has questions or anyone that wasn't sure what's going on or any of that stuff to just ask questions. Oh, I um, love that. And then Timothy I Keller steal that. Uh, talks about them and answers them after that. Um, it's a, that's a great place to help maintain that conversation. Um, that's genius. Yeah. And so I think that's the next part. So it's, I don't belong and I take offense. And the next one um, is if you can get past those two, then at some point, you're going to say something and an outsider is going to say, yeah, I don't know how this applies to me. I don't know how this fits. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how to take this thing and say it's part of my life. Um, Cause okay. this either this idea about who God is, is so 
mysterious and outside of my experience that I have no idea how to even start praying. Um, I don't know how to start loving my enemy. I don't know how mm. to be more generous. I don't know how to whatever. Um, and I mean, you can see this in plenty, plenty of parts of, of life. Um, there's, uh, there's this great scene from that 70s show where one of the characters um, comes to the mom of the main character and uh, he doesn't know how to talk about sex um, with anyone. Okay. And so instead of using those words when he's talking to her, he's talking about putt-putt. <laughs> that's, that's the word he comes up with. <laughs> oh he's my like, gosh. my friend, my friend Johnny, and he looks around the room and, and sees the table. And Johnny Table <laughs> wants to have this special time with his girlfriend and play putt-putt. <laughs> Um, and it's just this awkward scene where he has no idea how to talk about it. And in our culture, that is so saturated with sex, people still don't know how to talk about it and feel awkward. And, and even when we talk about these things as big and as common um, as sexuality, and what happens when someone wants to talk about those deep personal things that's going on in them? What happens when they feel that guilt and that shame and they know they're broken and they still don't know how to talk about it because it's awkward and it's weird and, and I don't have the words for it. Um, and that's the places that we want outsiders to get to. We want to talk about those deep issues with them. So how do you, how do you, if you're a communicator or if you're a greeter or if you're a volunteer on a team, how do you set that up? How do we do that to set that up so that we can be a guide or so that we can kind of um, help them with those conversations? Well, I, I think, uh, you use the word that I, I want to use for it is I, I think we'd be guides. Um, we, we take on the role of saying, okay, so I deal with these things too. And this is how I've, this is how I've discovered, um, God working in me to, to help me find restoration. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, helping that, me find rescue. That means, that means I got to admit that I got some faults and that I don't have it all together and that maybe I'm not perfect. And I don't think that's a Christian thing to do, Seth. <laughs> Also, watching TV about sex, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> it, it is an absolutely Christian thing to do. Um, I mean, listen to Paul talk about his own experiences. Um, he says, I was righteous, as righteous as everyone else. I was a Jew of Jews. I was a Pharisee. I was um, exquisite on the law. I was perfect in how I behaved. And all of that was rubbish compared to who Christ was. And this is how I found my way back to God. Um, and he said he was the chief of sinners. Yeah. Um, so to, to not admit that we get stuff wrong is to lie about the grace that God has given us. Man, I think that is the ultimate slap in the face to outsiders. And I hear, you know, from people who don't go to church, uh, most of the time it's that, you know, they're all hypocrites. Yeah. And I think what that, what they're actually trying to say, sometimes that's a smoke screen. Sometimes that's a, an excuse because I don't want to get involved. But a lot of times what they're saying is these people will not talk about the truth of what life is really like and what the struggles really are. And they won't admit that they're feeling these things that I feel, which means they must be lying because these things I feel are true. Yeah. And, you know, I, that's, I, I don't know how many times I've been to a service where the pastor spoke for 40 or 50 minutes trying to convince me to 
give my life to God or to change or to grow or to surrender or submit, fill in the blank to Jesus. And I was with him and ready at 20 minutes. And for the rest of his 20 minutes or 30 minutes, he just kept saying it and never told me how. And I would leave as a teenager so frustrated because I desperately wanted to submit these things to God, but was struggling and couldn't do it and couldn't stop sinning and couldn't stop feeling what I was feeling and couldn't stop thinking what I was thinking and didn't know how to fix it. And I'd read more Bible and pray and it wouldn't fix it. And I didn't know what to do. And he wouldn't give me real answers because giving real answers would get messy and he would have to start talking about his own problems. And so part of what I think is so important for us is not to just give cliche answers, not to give the self-help guidance of, well, do this better, but to actually invite people to, to work through struggles with us. Um, I don't think Christianity is a position on which we stand. It is not here, come to this position, come to this place that I found and everything will be fixed. You just got to come over to Mm. me. I think Christianity okay. is more of a, a, a journey. It is a, a path to, we are moving towards God. Um, and so the question is, is not come to me uh, or the invitation is not come to me, come to where I'm at. The invitation is come with me as I'm finding my way yeah. back to God. We can find our way back to God together. Join in with me. Yeah. And that way, instead of becoming this spokesman that says, come to this place and the salesman, then I can be a guide. Man, I've been I've been down this hole. I know what it's like. Um, and the reason I jumped down here with you is because I know the way out. Want to come with me? Hmm. I, I've been saying it like this um, through our series, My Church. I've been saying so many times we want a fix and we pursue religion for a fix when what's really offered is a relationship with a fixer. Yeah. A relationship with someone who who knows these answers and who has created life and has created us and knows how best to do it. And he wants a relationship with us, not just a fix. He's not a dealer. He is he is a father. And and we need to to embrace that and invite people into that. So so what else what else you got, Seth? What are some of the other things that people are feeling when they, they come and they're an outsider? Um the last thing that I, I think is worth talking about today is um uh, I'm looking for quality. Um, I'm looking for something that is meaningful and worthwhile for me to put my time into and put my life into. Um, And what I mean by that is I'm not looking for a master presenter. I'm not looking for um, a flawless band. Um, I'm not looking for perfection. I am looking for something that that has quality involved in it. Um, That now don't get me wrong here. I want, I think you should preach to the best of your ability. Um, I think you should play music and do music to the best of the ability of your community. Um, okay. So let me, let me just stop you right there, son, <laughs> because man looks on the outward appearance, <coughs> but the Lord looks on the heart and how can you judge someone's heart? And that's my, uh, that's my devil's advocate voice just for future reference. I'm not asking anyone to judge anyone's heart. I'm simply saying, when we produce things, when we do things as a church, let's make sure they are worthwhile. Um, so if if sister if sister Julie wants to get up and sing that song, <laughs> and we know we know she doesn't sound 
sound like like them people you know that sing on the American Idol but her heart her heart is in it and yes it makes our ears bleed and we want to gouge our eyes out so we don't have to see the faces that she makes to go along with that horrible sound that we all want to die but your heart is in it how can you say that that's not good enough easily because it makes all of us want to die (laughs) (laughs) um but in all reality um people are willing to listen to the message of who god is if they see it present you know if they see quality there um there's a great clip uh, from a show, uh, a YouTube channel called Steam Shots, and on this uh, this YouTube channel is a game, a video game review site, and the way they judge games is the worse it is, the more uh, shots they take um, while playing the game. So they get their scale is uh, the best games they stay sober on, and they get progressively more drunk as the game gets worse. Oh my! Gosh. That's how they rate games, and there's this review that they have of a game called Kentucky Route Zero. And during the review, he says, this game was so engaging that at one point, um, a, a gospel song, a song from the South, a song about Jesus even, broke out and I listened to the whole thing because huh. this game was just, it cap- captured me. Um, it was so quality that I was willing to listen to this song about Jesus because it was so good. Um, I, I often say, um, we should wield our art so skillfully and powerfully that it feels disrespectful to turn away. And I, I think that's true. Uh, I was just talking with, um, with my accountability group this morning, a couple pastors that I meet with every week. Um, and, you know, we were talking about movies and would we walk out of a movie? And uh, one guy said, man, I just, I have to finish the story. I cannot turn off a movie. I have to see what's going to happen. And I said, I, if I feel like a, a movie or a story or a show is so bad that it's disrespecting the art form of story, then I will turn it off because to me, story is so powerful. Um, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God sent his story. He, and so, I mean, the art form of story is, is just so meaningful to me that I will shut it down. I will turn it off. I will flip the channel. And if I'll do that, a non-Christian, an outsider is going to do the same thing. They're going to show up and be like, this was so bad. This was so poorly done. Like these people don't even care enough about what they're talking about to make sure that the microphone works or to make sure that they have people who can sing. And I think, you know, people who can't sing and desperately want to be on the platform, I think that's a, a red flag. People who can't speak well, and desperately want to be on platform in front of people, that's a red flag for me. Um, Not saying that people who have incredible talent can't be jerks because um, your talent can take you further than your character can sustain you, as Andy Stanley says. Um, And that's why our humility has to grow in proportion to our ability. Um, And, but yeah, it's, we have, I agree, we have to have quality or they're just gonna shut it off. Um, And part of that is a call to refine our own skill. Um, whatever our craft is, if it is singing, then get better at it. Um, and that takes time and that takes practice. If it's preaching, then get better at it. And that takes time yeah. and that takes practice. And that's not to say that, um, we shouldn't allow people that are unskilled 
to have those opportunities because part of getting better at our craft is to actually practice our craft. Um, it right. does mean, however, that um, we watch what we do and we make sure that there is good that is coming from it. Um, we aren't just up there to sing. We aren't just preaching to hear ourselves. We aren't just preaching or singing just to hear ourselves heard. Um, just so that we are heard. Wow. Um, instead, we are doing this because we are serving the people there. By me singing, am I serving the community here? By me preaching, am I serving the community that is here? Um, if I can answer yes to That's that, so and true. keep doing it <laughs> and get better at it and, and refine your craft. And that's, that's something, you know, when I go, even picking the music that we do, because I lead worship at our church, um, I have for a ton of years, but there's songs that I just love, that I fall in love with, and that our band falls in love with, or someone in the band falls in love with, and we do the song, and we just love the song. One of them was called uh, With Everything by Hillsong, and we just, I love that song, and we did it in church a couple times, and I could just see, like, people were totally lost. Um, even after we did it a few times, they just still did not connect with the song for whatever reason. And at that point, as a band, we have to decide, okay, are we here for us or are we here to serve the congregation, to serve the church and lead them in song? Yeah. And if we're here to serve and lead them, then that means we're going to pick songs that connect with them and that they can sing and that they like. Um, otherwise, it's just you might as well stay. Just do a podcast like me and Seth, you know? Um, Absolutely. But it's, you know, that's the thing. Like, I think, and even if you're talented, and we talked about this, we've been, we've shared about this, I don't know, um, but I've always been able to quote unquote wing it in a, in a talk or something like that. Even when I was young, you know, I could just get up and have a couple scriptures and then just talk about it and be engaging with an audience. Mm -hmm. But you challenged me when we first met several years ago. Uh, you said, Ron, that's that's not good enough. You know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You sh If you already have a talent in this, all the more reason for you to work insanely hard so that you can be a good steward of the talent God's given you. And that has stuck with me. And, um, you know, I change how I prepare messages. And we prepare weeks, sometimes months in advance. And we have teams. And I pick through it. And... Um, my style has gotten a lot better because of you, you challenging me on that just cause you're talented and you can pull it off last minute. doesn't mean that that honors God with what you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the a key part of this is to remember that I'm not saying you have to be a master at this stuff. Um, cause anyone can go and find someone that is much better at preaching or at than Ron or me on YouTube. You can find sure. great preaching yeah. on YouTube that I can never get to that quality. You can find great music on YouTube that will never hit that quality, no matter how great of a band right. we have. Um, it's not perfection. It's it's simply a look for quality. And part of the quality that we're giving is not a refined speech about God. Part of the quality that we have is this is a place where God moves, where we can find our way back together, to God together. So come along with us, and if there's real quality in that, I think people will show up, and they'll yeah. they'll listen yeah. to a song about Jesus even. I think the some of the key ingredients for quality in my mind are um, practice, um, making sure that what you say is what the audience or congregation needs. 
not what you need yourself um, specifically. And then the last main ingredient I think is vulnerability in your preparation, putting your own vulnerabilities on the table and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to say. And maybe this is the right answer, but how do I feel about this? And am I willing to be vulnerable about that to make it true so that this story is true? Because if we don't put our vulnerability in there, it's not true. It doesn't ring true. It doesn't feel true. And it certainly doesn't feel like quality. That's how you write a really bad story. It's by writing like flat characters that have no flaws, no nuance, and no vulnerability. Nobody cares about those characters. When they die, it's like the red shirt guy on Star Trek. <laughs> he didn't even have a name. Um, he <laughs> Losing him was not a big deal. Um, so, you know, we don't want to write red shirt messages. Um, so that was really good, Seth. That was awesome. Red shirt messages. I like that. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Team Podcast. I'm Ron Hudson, lead pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. You can find all the stuff I'm doing at pastorhudson.com. And my co-host, Seth Frank, is campus minister for Moorhead Christian Student Fellowship at Moorhead State University. You can find him on Twitter at Seth underscore Frank or their website, mcsf.is. And I love you guys. Thank you for serving. <laughs>